Welcome to Oaks Church, where we grow great lives and build big people. Thank you for checking out our podcast. We hope that you're encouraged by this life-changing message from Pastor Joel Scrivener. For more information, visit us online at oakschurch.com or follow us on social media at Oaks Church Texas. Amen. Amen. Well, we are starting a brand new series today called Taming the Tongue, which I'm sure you would assume that I am an expert in. Um, in fact, the, the idea from this message came from my own prayer journal, like many of them do. I'm going to preach to me today, if that's all right. And uh, no, but for real, the Lord uh, was speaking to me in my journal about things in me that need to change. And so we're going to dive into this. And if any of this lands uh, in your life, that's a bonus. But I'm going to work on me. Does that sound good? I I was thinking about, Tiffany said amen real loud back there from the back. She wants her pastor to change. I was playing. I was thinking about a movie uh, that fit this idea of taming the tongue and maybe a funny scene from a movie that would, uh, that would, be a good memory, at least for me. And I thought about the movie Liar, Liar. Have you seen that movie? Jim Carrey, it's from the 90s. Um, I obviously can't condone certain parts of the movie, uh, but, but the, the gist of it is that he's a lawyer, which means he's a liar. Apparently those two things go together. I don't know. Joe, if you're watching, I'm not talking about you. Certainly not your wife, she's dangerous. Um, but. He was a liar, and so his son made a birthday wish that he wouldn't be able to lie anymore. And so all of a sudden, Jim Carrey wakes up and he starts telling the truth, and it's not good, because everything that's inside of him now is coming out without a filter. So he walks into his law office, and a little lady that's got style challenges says, how do you like my dress? And he says, anything that takes the attention off your face. Doesn't go over very well. He keeps walking. A very portly uh, gentleman in his office says, uh, what's up? And he says, your cholesterol. And then he says, dead man walking. Another guy says hello to him. And he turns around and says, you're not even important enough to remember your name. And he goes into his office, he's clapping his hands, you've seen the movie. I mean, have you ever heard yourself saying something that you wished you weren't saying and you couldn't get the words back into your, you ever been in that position? Cheryl, I know you've never been in that position. My friend Phil has definitely never been in that position. And, and I'm just trying to find other people that I can align with right now. We can kind of lock arms and walk through this process together. Uh, I have had the benefit and the consequence of being very quick-tongued in my lifetime. Uh, People that like me call me witty. People that don't like me call me other things. I'm sure I would not know what those things are. But I can think of a gajillion times that my mouth got me in trouble. The only one I'll share with you today is when I got kicked out of Spanish 3 when I was 16. I was 16, you know, any 16-year-olds in here? Come on, I'm not getting, there's one, there's one right back there. 16 year olds know everything, they're experts. And they stay experts until they're about 20. 
And then they begin to realize about the time that they're starting to have to pay their pay bills and, and be responsible and actually work and all that, that their parents weren't as dumb as they thought they were when they were a teenager. And that's just part of it. So just, just don't worry. If you're, if you're in those teen years, one day you're going to come out of that phase, the know-it-all phase. But for now, you can align with me in my story. Because I was 16, I was an expert on pregnancy. And... Um, so I had an opinion. Did you know sometimes it's not good to share your opinions? I had an opinion about a teacher who was pregnant and her uh, moods and things. And I was sharing that with another friend in class, Spanish 3, the very first week, maybe the first day or two of my uh, junior year of high school. And unbeknownst to me, we were talking about, hey, how's this? How's that class? Oh my gosh, this teacher is a psycho. She's pregnant, the whole, and I'm going off on my very, very uh, expert opinions as a 16-year-old, and uh, then we start the class, and the teacher begins to introduce herself, and she looks straight at me and begins to, I mean, I'm talking like boring through my soul, announce to the class that she's pregnant, yeah, so I had two of them. And, and, and from that moment forward, she would not even look at me or address me in class. And I'm trying to get a good grade in Spanish 3, but I, she would say, I preguntas, any questions? And I would raise my hand. She would look straight at me and glare and turn away and keep going. She hated me. Now, obviously, I had started it, but I didn't know she was pregnant. And by the way, it kind of ended up that I was right because she was not nice at all. I'm not getting points in this at all right now. That's okay. I'm proving my whole point as we go. So she had a suggestion for me that I should drop her class because I was definitely going to fail her class and there was nothing I could do about it. So I signed up for cooking class and I was the only guy in cooking class and that was a wonderful decision. So I'm actually grateful for this teacher. Does your mouth ever get you in trouble? Do you ever have opinions that you are not an expert in? Do you ever say things that you shouldn't say? Do you ever regret telling a story in front of 300 people about a teacher who was pregnant because there's someone in the room that's pregnant? <laughs> I know I can relate to this. My mouth has got me in trouble a lot. And um, the Bible says a lot about people who talk too much. In fact, I'm gonna give you just a couple of things. Solomon, the wisest man in the world, he talked about people that were called fools, and when he addressed fools, he a lot of times addressed them as, as male. Uh, he said that a fool speaks all he knows. A fool would be thought wise if he could just shut his mouth. Uh, a fool only wants to hear his own opinions. A fool fully vents his spirit or his anger. A fool snares himself with his own lips. A fool's mouth invites a beating. Have you ever known someone that their mouth just invites a beating? Robert Frazier comes to mind, fifth grade, the first guy I ever punched in the mouth, he had it coming. 
He actually turned out to be a good guy later on, but it, fourth and fifth grade were not his best years. But see, Solomon doesn't just talk about males and problems with their mouths. He talks about females. In fact, and, and, and this doesn't address anyone in this room, specifically females, but he talks about them in one way as a nagging wife. Have you heard these verses? I'm not gonna give you any references. You have to look these up yourself, all of these, if you're gonna use these at home. And we do have marriage mentorship uh, that we would love to offer some of you. I might need it today as well. He says that it's better to live alone on a roof or in a desert than to live in a wonderful home with a nagging wife. He says that a nagging wife is like a continual dripping. That's what he says. I'm just quoting the Bible here. Don't elbow somebody. <laughs> says that a foolish woman tears down her own house. A woman without discretion or that doesn't keep her mouth closed when she should is like a beautiful gold ring and a pig snout. reading the Bible here. Come on, guys. It doesn't matter if we're males or females. Our mouths can get us in trouble. I mean, we, we a lot of times like to think about locker room talk or inappropriate talk. But have we heard nail salon and hair salon talk? You ever had your nails done? They're talking about you the whole time. Under their breath. And then they look at you and say, she says you're so pretty. That's not what they're saying about you. What's the Bible saying? James chapter one, verse 26 says, if you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself. Your religion is worthless. I guess I should just go ahead and go home. If I don't control my tongue, what am I doing here? Because my religion is worthless. According to James, the brother of Jesus, kind of had an inside scoop on the Jesus wisdom thing. If you don't control your tongue, you're foolish, and your religion is worthless. James goes on to say in Chapter three, verse one, dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church for we who teach will be judged more strictly. The more talking you do, the more you give people room to judge. Remember the fool, if he keeps his mouth shut, the Bible says he'll be thought wise. Whoever's doing the most talking has the most opportunity to become judged. I do wanna point out, because this is a misconception, the misconception would be that me or Brandon or Steven or Tiffany or any of our other pastoral team, that they have a different standard to live up to than the other people do. It's a misconception. There's one standard. His name's Jesus. You have the same standard that I do. The difference is I'm up here talking about my standard and you get to sit and listen. So one person is more easily judged than anybody else because they're the one talking. Now also, I'm a leader, 
and I will stand before God for what I do with the gifts and what he's called me to do, just like you will. But we have one standard, his name's Jesus, right? So we all have to live to the best of our abilities up to that standard. Let's keep going with this verse. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect. You have the opportunity to be perfect if we could just control our tongues. Could also control ourselves in every other way. We could make, uh, but we make large, uh, pardon me, let me try, try that again. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit at its mouth. A small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. Even though the winds are strong in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. <laughs> it gets worse. It's a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire for it is set on fire by hell itself. Your tongue is set on fire by hell. This would be a good time to look at somebody close to you and be like, I said it, you didn't have to say it. This is just a little. Your tongue is set on fire by hell. That's what James, the brother of Jesus, declared. Have you ever, have you ever set parts of your life on fire? With what comes out of your mouth? See, there's lots of different ways. It's not just about saying a bad word. In fact, I'm sure no one here ever says a bad word. We're all so holy and spiritual. If you step on one of your kids' Legos, you just start speaking in tongues. Just spontaneous worship, right? But cursing can happen in a lot of other ways. Cursing isn't about just a bad word. Cursing is about what you say about and over other people in other situations. You can curse your church. You can curse your pastors. You can curse your wife. You can curse your children and never say a bad word. See, we Christians are really, really good at picking the sins that we think are bad. These ones are okay because they're not as bad as those ones over there. See, the Bible says that, Jesus actually said this, one man's sins are out before him and another man's sins trail way behind him. But all of us have sins and we all need help and we all need Jesus. And there's not a single person in this room that needs Jesus worse than another person. We all need Jesus just as bad as the person next to us. And the more you think maybe someone else needs Jesus more than you, the more you fall into religious pride and actually need him worst of all. Because there was only one person that Jesus couldn't help. It's the person that didn't realize they needed help. 
I remember the verse where Jesus told a story where two people came in to pray. One of them was a, a tax collector and or pardon me, pardon me, one of them was, was, a, was a religious person, a scholar, and, and they were going on and on and on about thanking God for all of the things that God had done for them and how good they were, and thank you, Father, that you didn't make me like this wicked tax collector that's praying next to me. The wicked tax collector was praying face down the ground because he was fully aware of his wretchedness. And was, he was too dishonored in himself to even look up to heaven but he cried out and said, Father, forgive me, I'm, I'm a wretched sinner. And Jesus said, which prayer do you think God heard that day? The Bible says, blessed are the poor in spirit. People that realize that they're spiritually poor and they need a savior. Doesn't mean you have a poverty mentality. It means that you're fully aware of your own Inability to save yourself and how much you need a savior in your life. To be poor in your own spirituality is what makes you qualified for the richness of Jesus's. Gossip, slander, coarse jokes, spewing venom, anger, Bitterness, unforgiveness, complaining, complaining, complaining about the service at a restaurant, complaining about your president. Oh, what that one. Complaining about the government, complaining about leaders, complaining about complaining. God hates complaining. You understand that? The, the Israelites got to stay in the wilderness for 40 years because they couldn't shut up their complaining. What about a critical spirit? You ever know anybody that had a critical spirit? Man, I'm messing with all kinds of stuff today. I'm not looking for this to be your favorite message. Obviously, or I would have started with a different story. I'm challenging myself with God's word. And I'm inviting you to join me. In the corporate world, you hear a lot of talk about critical thinking. Being able to solve problems, think through, project potential problems in the future that haven't started yet, that's all good. There's a, there's, there's a funny saying that I've heard constructive criticism. That's a funny one to me. That, that's kind of like, I would call that maybe an oxymoron, right? Dry moisture, nice cat. I mean, <laughs> things that don't go together. I'm sorry, April, I was wrong. I was, there are a few cat lovers. And... Constructive criticism. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you everything that's wrong with you but it's because it's good for you, right? Let's just call it feedback. We're gonna do feedback, Caleb. Let's, I like, give me a little feedback. Maybe, a, maybe a, one of those uh, uh, feedback sandwiches, right? I'm really good at this. I wanna work on this a little bit, but you're really good at this, right? You ever seen that little sandwich there? It makes it easier to munch it down, the, the, the critique. 
Come on, we can be so critical, y'all. We can sit there and we can get really, really, really good at picking out what's wrong, picking out what's bad, picking out this and picking out that. I cannot believe she wore that to church. Come on, guys. Are you the judge? Anybody hear the judge? Anybody hear the jury? It's one judge. And we all need his mercy. And we can't be people that are so caught up. I, I actually, this is the funniest thing ever. I actually, in an organization I was working in, I was given a critique. And the critique was that I was not critical enough. I was overly positive about the people that worked on my team and I wasn't realistic enough about what was wrong with them. At a church. <laughs> That's a little funny, isn't it? I mean, I thought I was, maybe, you know, Jesus would want to say nice things about his kids and focus on the good of his kids. Any of you ever tried just sitting around telling your children all the bad things about themselves? How about your spouse? Does that go over well? It was, it was one of the greatest things I ever heard someone say that was supposed to be bad about me that actually was a compliment. I'm like, wow, maybe I am getting a little bit like Jesus. If I'm seeing the good in people instead of the bad, I think I want to stay that way. See, it's not about, it's, it's not about being naive. It's, it's, not, it's not about denying what's there. See, the thing that we're stri they're striving for is a thing called childlike faith. Childlike faith assumes the best. But have you ever noticed how a kid can sniff out a weirdo? If your kid doesn't want to hug someone at your family reunion, you might want to pay attention to that. Having childlike faith doesn't mean that you're in a position where you can't recognize when something's wrong. It means that you quickly move back to the place of having an innocent perspective about the rest of things. Because if we don't maintain the innocent perspective, Jesus didn't say that old people faith is what made you great in heaven. He said childlike faith. That they just believe. They don't let all of the, come on guys, we, 40s, 50s, 60s, you can have four, five, six decades of litigation against God because of all the failures you've seen in the world. And the kid just believes because they haven't seen it yet. Doesn't mean it doesn't exist. They're focused on something different. They just trust And that's the kind of faith God wants us to have. Are you setting parts of your world on fire with what comes out of your mouth? 
When you speak, does fire, does hell come out? Or does the refreshing water of life come out when you speak? When you talk about the future, when you talk about our nation, God's either in control or not, guys. He's either in control or not. And if we actually trust him and believe that he is, then we need to get our words in line with what he thinks and what he says. Because we're in a world right now where it's the most critical, vicious, hateful, I mean, it's nasty out there. Y'all know what a Karen is? A Karen? I met a Karen this week at Target. Apparently, I, I didn't get my little thing out fast enough. And still in my pocket. She gave me a little piece of her mind. And I said, thank you, Karen. didn't say that <laughs> it was worse it was way worse no just it wasn't that bad she she popped off at me pretty good and and I said thanks lady but I didn't say it nice and I'm literally walking down this stupid aisle at Target going I gotta go preach on taming my tongue and I can't even be nice to Karen for crying out loud I wanted to tell her that there's only 81 cases active in Collin County right now. That's what I really wanted to tell her, but I mean, oh, Jesus, move on, move on, move on, move on. The Bible says that life and death are in your mouth. Life and death are in your mouth. Life and death are in your mouth. How many people have you known that are in their 20s and 30s and 40s and are still living with the echo in their ears of what their father or mother said about them when they were little. Life and death are in your mouth. In fact, it goes on to say this. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Watch, and those who love it will eat its fruit. See, there's a connotation in scripture. We think about the fruit of someone's life as being what they actually do. But when you look at the teachings of Jesus, he describes the fruit of someone's life as what they say. Jesus says in Matthew 12, verse 33, a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes. How could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you 
speak. Oh my God, that one scares me, y'all. That might be the scariest verse in the Bible. The words you say will either equip you or condemn you, Jesus said. Guys, we gotta tame our tongues. We gotta tame our tongues. Next week, I'm gonna talk about the connection between what comes out of your mouth and the amount of spiritual authority God will allow you to walk in. You don't wanna miss next week. Life and death are in your mouth. The fruit that you produce, see that passage says, and your belly will be filled with the fruit thereof. If you don't like what you're eating in life right now, check what's coming out of your mouth. I was talking with a friend this week, had a thought. Um, he asked me to pray for his marriage and I just had a thought and I wrote him just a little, a little mini message in a, in a text. And, and, I, and I remembered something that Cheryl had said to me years ago, I think, I think she said to me that women are like a garden. And whatever, your wife specifically is like a garden. And whatever you say over your wife determines the harvest in your garden. If you don't like the harvest you're getting, it may be that you're the one sowing the wrong seeds. I, I work really hard, I'm not perfect. My wife will be the first one to tell you. But I work really hard at being careful what I say over my wife. When my wife frustrates me, you know what I tell her? I tell her she's special. <laughs> it's true, I said it on the way to church. You're so special. <laughs> don't act like you don't have discussions on the way to church that would need you're so special to be said in the middle of it. <laughs> the devil wants to mess church up, y'all. You know that, right? <laughs> I made a decision a long time ago. Because, honestly, I came to a place of not liking the results in my life and in my marriage. So I started doing the best I could. Again, I'm not perfect, I still mess up. But I, 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 the best I could, when I'm frustrated, to try to say something good or positive yeah. instead of saying the thing that I can't take back. Yeah. Some of us are saying things we can't take back. And they echo in our spouse's ears. Goes both ways, guys. Goes both ways, your husband's a garden too. What you say over him. See, the secret of marriage is summed up in love and respect. So we teach in our marriage class. God made a man to need, need, need respect. Especially when he doesn't deserve it. And God made a woman to need, need, need love. Especially when she doesn't deserve it. What do I mean by not deserve it? It's a human life, Joel. Every life deserves love. 
some more than others, y'all. I'm just playing. Come on, I'm talking about behavior. When someone's behavior deserves a different treatment, if instead you'll actually sow what God commands, you'll reap a different harvest of behavior. If your husband is acting unrespectable, so respect anyway and watch his behavior change. It's how it works. It's a God thing. We're still working it out just like everybody else, but it works. So Jesus said, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. So here's the big question. What are you filling your heart with? What are you filling your heart with? I'm I'm asking you the question the Lord's challenging me on. Because guys, in this world we're living in, I, I can get so wrapped up in politics and news and all of that and podcasts and what's going on and all this kind of stuff. And apparently God wants me to pray more. Imagine that. Turn off some stuff, Joel. Turn on some worship. Make some better choices with what you're putting in your heart. Because what goes in your heart is gonna come out of your mouth. That's what Jesus said. Deuteronomy 30, 19, I'll close with this. God says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Then he says, therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Guys, we gotta choose life. We gotta choose blessing with what comes out of our mouth. We gotta bite our tongues. Maybe your mama said what my mama said. If you can't say something nice. Fill yourself up with life and blessing, not death and cursing. Adjust your entertainment. Adjust your home worship time. If this is the only time that you worship and pray during the week, guys, you're gonna be running on empty. You've gotta create a personal culture where you're listening to the word of God, you're listening to great preachers, you're listening to the Bible, you're listening to worship music. You've gotta create a personal home culture where you're praying and you're, and you're talking to God, you're having communication, conversations with God. Because if not, you're gonna fill yourself with mess and mess is what's gonna come out. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks And according to Jesus, when you stand before the Father, when you stand before God, you have to give an account of everything you said. Why? So time the next week. Why is what you say so important? It's so important because God made you in his image. You're not a part of the animal kingdom. You're a part of the God kingdom. You're made in his image. And everything God does, everything God creates, 
everything God initiates, He initiates through speaking. And you're made in His image. And you're either creating or destroying. It's either life or death. There is no in-between. So this week, your homework, bite your tongue. Speak life instead. Fill yourself up with life and blessing. Turn off the cursing. Turn off the, turn off the, the, the noise. There's a verse in the Bible that we know really well. It's in Proverbs. It says, bad company corrupts good morals. You heard that verse? It's a great rock and roll band named after it. At least great to some. But did you know the actual translation of bad company? The actual translation is evil communications. Evil communications corrupt good morals. What kind of communications do you have flowing into your life Perpetually, YouTube, Netflix, Instagram. What kind of communications do you have perpetually flowing in? Is it life or death? Because evil communications will corrupt your good morals. It'll flow out of your heart. And we get to stand before God for what comes out of our own mouths. I'm gonna do the homework this week. I'm gonna work on this personally. I'm excited to share next week with you. It's gonna be very powerful, don't miss it. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we wanna invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.